Um, we've started a new series uh, on the life of Joseph from the Old Testament. Some of you may know about Joseph. You may not know a whole lot about him, but Joseph is known as a dreamer. And the reason Joseph is known as a dreamer or dreams are always associated with Joseph is because he had, as a 17-year-old, two very important dreams that God gave him that directed, that guided his whole life uh, from the time he was 17 to the time that he died. Those dreams were compelling him. They motivated him forward for the rest of his life. And so it's tough to discuss Joseph without talking about the dreams that he had. And his life is a a perfect example, as I said last week, his life is a great example for us uh, because many of the struggles that Joseph had, you and I have. It's a struggle for us as we strive to become who God has called us to be or who God has shaped us to be and we face opposition or we face difficulties. We can learn lessons from the life of Joseph that we can apply to each of our lives. And that's what we're hoping to do all throughout this series. Each week as we look at different aspects of his life, all of them will be talking a little bit about different aspects of his dream and how that dream motivated him and asking you what kind of dream do you have? You see, I believe, unfortunately, too many people in the church, too many believers have stopped dreaming big dreams. It's been said that the size of our dreams is directly related to our faith in God or the size of our faith in God. So if you have little faith, you'll have little dreams. If you have big faith in God, God God-sized faith, you'll have God-sized dreams. And I'm afraid too many people have stopped dreaming. They've stopped shooting for the uh, unexpected, for the spectacular. They've stopped pursuing things that are out of their reach that can only be achieved through God's help. You see, the Bible is filled with dreamers. It's filled with people who God implanted a dream in. And they chased and followed hard after that dream, even through difficulty and even through opposition, pursuing what God had called them to. And so that's what I want this series to be about. And this morning, we're going to begin to talk about those dreams. Last week, we looked at Joseph's background. We looked at his hot mess of dysfunction of what he was raised in, what he was born into. And if you ever wanted to see a picture of of just pure dysfunctional family, go look at Joseph's family. Go listen to the online sermon from last week. We outlined it purely. And it didn't just end when he was born, all through his childhood, into his teen years. He was surrounded by adultery and anger and jealousy and hatred and even murder. Uh, And and all of those things became a part of who he was. But yet God, in his infinite grace, still used Joseph in spite of his past. He still used Joseph in spite of all that he had gone through and all that he was surrounded by. And what was so cool about Joseph, and I barely hit on this last week, is God used what the world would say would be Joseph's greatest liabilities and turned them into his greatest assets. Because that's the way God is. That's the incredible thing about God's grace and mercy is He takes those things in our lives that, that we think are our worst problems or our biggest struggles or, or, or our worst background and our worst past and He turns them for His good. That's what Romans says, that God turns all things to His good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Joseph even said at the end of his life, he said, what the world meant for evil, what the world tried to pour on me, God turned to good. And it's an incredible lesson for us as we move into Joseph having these dreams and what these dreams meant. You see, everything that has ever been accomplished in the world, all of the uh, greatest ideas, all of the greatest um, uh, achievements, all have one thing in common. And that is that they all started with a dream. 
They all started with somebody looking to do something that was beyond what anybody else did. Henry Ford had a dream that someday he would be able to make cars that were affordable for people of everyday life. And look where we are today. People like Steve Jobs that, that had a dream, and his dream was simple back in the mid-70s. that He thought everyone should have a computer in their home, and look where we are today. And he didn't stop dreaming there. All that Apple is came from those early dreams he had that people around him told him there's no way you can achieve it. Even people like Mark Zuckerberg who created Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg started with the idea that he just wanted to have a way that friends at college could communicate with each other and could keep up with each other. And all that we have with social media today is here because he had that dream. You see, you and I have been given dreams. Whether you want to admit it, whether you want to believe it or not, we all have dreams. Now, those dreams may change as you get older. As you get older, those dreams may shift towards career. They may shift towards uh, your future. They may shift towards your kids and become more your dreaming for them or for your grandkids. But we all have dreams. Unfortunately, so many believers and so many people have stopped pursuing their dreams. What happens is life gets in the way, and instead of going after that dream that God puts in our heart, maybe when we're young, maybe when we're older, we settle. We settle for okay. I always compare it to climbing a mountain, and here we have all these wonderful, uh, beautiful views that you can go and hike and climb and see. And, and it, it's, that's the way life is so many times for us, is, is we see, maybe you're on Facebook, or maybe you see in a, a, an ad this beautiful scenery shot of Grandfather Mountain, and you see this beautiful uh, picture from one of the overlooks on the Blue Ridge, and you say, I want to go see that. That's a dream to go and look at that view. And so we decide to pursue it. And as we're climbing that, we come to a, a minor overlook that's not necessarily where the picture was taken. It doesn't have all the majesty, but it's a pretty good view. And, and we get tired. And so we get there and we look out and we go, well, this is good enough. But that's not the dream you had. The dream you had was to go to the top. And too many Christians are stopping and settling for less, and it is affecting not only the church, it's affecting each of our lives in the world around us. If you want to wonder where the problems in our society stem from, the difficulties that we're facing with our culture changing, I believe it's because too many Christians have settled. Too many Christians have stopped dreaming about changing the world around them. And if we would ever get past these things, these obstacles that I'm calling this morning dream killers, then it would revolutionize not only your life, but those lives around you. You see, I guess the first question for us this morning is, do we really believe that God still gives dreams today? Do we believe that God still gives dreams like he gave to Moses, like he gave to Joseph, dreams like he gave to David, like he gave to Paul? And if he does, has he given you a dream? Do you have a dream that maybe something as a young person, maybe something as a young adult, maybe even now as you've gotten older, do you have a dream of something that God is calling you to do, something you're passionate about, something that you are gifted? And if you have, how has it changed your life? Are you still pursuing it? You see, when I talk about dreams, it doesn't matter if you're talking about a literal dream that you got when you were asleep at night. It doesn't matter if it was a daydream or it doesn't matter if it's the passion of your heart. I'm talking about something that God places in your heart that is bigger than you. Something for you to pursue that is beyond your ability and your gifts and your strength that He is calling you to that motivates your life. What is your dream? Where are you in the pursuit of that dream? 
You see, many times when we talk about dreams, especially in church, so many people think it's only in the spiritual realm. Well, God hadn't given me a spiritual dream, Rusty. God hadn't told me to go to Africa or hadn't told me to, you know, do some of the things that we think of in church. Well, not all dreams are spiritual. Do you understand that any dream that can be used to give God glory and to help others is God-given? If God is the creator of all things and God is in charge of our lives, when we put him first, when we put his will first, the dreams that he gives us are from God. They're God-given dreams and they're ours to pursue. Now, there are spiritual dreams, there are dreams that deal with ministry, but most deal with life. Joseph's dream wasn't spiritual in nature. We're going to see in just a moment, Joseph's dream was to be in leadership. It was, a matter of fact, to be a politician, which I don't know if God still gives that dream um, to be a politician. Uh, let's hope so. Let's hope somebody out there has a dream to be a godly politician and uh, make a difference in the world, or at least, uh, let's say, a politician with integrity uh, that could follow the principles of the Bible. But, but that was Joseph's dream. And along the way, as Joseph was pursuing that dream, God uh, opened up spiritual blessings. He changed a nation. He reached his family. He saved his family. But the dream was not necessarily spiritual. It was secular. You see, so many people today have given up on their dream. They've settled for less. They never pushed on to what God has promised. This morning, I want to encourage you, if you don't get anything else, to begin to ask God to replant that dream in your heart. I want us to look at Joseph's dream, and as we do, I'm going to talk about some of the dream killers that we have faced along the way, some of the dream killers that Joseph faced. Because you see, usually it's the dream killers in our life that keep us from pursuing them. So I want to identify them, I want to label them, and I want you to ask yourself in your heart if you struggle with any of these dream killers. But first of all, let's get to Joseph's story. And uh, we're going to start back where we did last week in chapter 37, verse 1, the beginning of Joseph's uh, story in, in Genesis. Jacob lived in the land. Jacob now is Israel. Remember, we talked about it last week. His name has been changed. He's no longer deceiver, heel grabber. He is now Israel, the, the father of many nations, the blessed one of God. He came back to the promised land, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks of his brothers, the sons of Belial and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about him. Joseph this is just a weird little intersection into Joseph's life. It tells you, listen, Joseph was used by his father to go spy on his brothers. They were up to no good. He knew who they were and what they did. So he sent Joseph to go. So Joseph had some integrity to him. He said, now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in old age. Now, if there's anything that was wrong in Joseph's life, it is Joseph has showed favoritism from his father. That's not Joseph's fault. Uh, a lot of the things that happened to Joseph we like to think of as being his fault. It's not his fault. His dad loved him more than he loved his other children. And that's clearly wrong on the part of Jacob or Israel. And he loved him so much he made a richly ornamented robe for him. And when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than any of the others, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now let me say something about the robe here. Because a lot of times Joseph gets uh, a bad rap for having this robe or the idea of what the robe was. The robe was richly ornamented, brightly colored. You know, the uh, Broadway musical, Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. It, it was a brightly colored coat. It, it stood out. Why in the world did Israel give his son, Jacob, give his son Joseph this robe? Well, there's an explanation that many times we don't recognize. You see, Joseph was the first son of the second wife. That meant he was in line to receive all of the father's blessings. He was in line to receive the inheritance. The oldest son of the first wife 
would receive it first, but then the other ten sons of the first, second, and third wife, or first, the maids and the uh, handmaidens that had children, they weren't in line. The second person in line was the first son of the second wife, and that was Joseph. Well, Reuben, who was the oldest son, if you remember from last week's story, committed adultery with one of his stepmothers. And because he committed adultery with one of his stepmothers, he was disqualified from receiving the inheritance. So the inheritance and the blessing went to Joseph. So when, when Jacob makes this code, he is making it to show everyone that he is recognizing that Joseph, the first son of his second wife, would be his inheritor. So when it says that his brothers were mad, it wasn't necessarily mad because he, he got a cool snazzy coat. Okay, That's not why they were mad. They were mad because he was recognizing that this young man who was younger than all of them would one day receive the blessing of his father. So put that, put that beside you. I know sometimes we get trapped into that. Let's keep reading. Joseph's dream. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves and grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed to it. And his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream that he had. That's the fourth time in this passage it says they hated him. All the more. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were all bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, a lot of times when I've taught this or I've heard people teach this, we always get real hard on Joseph here. You know, Joseph is a little arrogant. Now, Joseph struggled with pride, and God's going to get that out of him later. Uh, but, but think about this. Put this in another situation, another scenario. Imagine this in your family. Joseph is 17 years old, and God, Jehovah God, that he had read about and heard about, and he heard how God spoke to his grandfather and his great-grandfather and how God had moved. God spoke to his heart and gave him a dream. If God gave you a dream as a teenager, wouldn't you want to share it with the people around you? Wouldn't you want to go to your family and say, listen, what God showed me is going to happen in my life. He's excited. If anyone is in the wrong, it's his brothers and his father. Now, Joseph may have done it wrong, but Joseph and his father, they're adults. I mean, the brothers and his father, they're adults. And so what do they do? Instead of responding by receiving the dream that Joseph had, they throw cold water on it. You see, I think in this story, a lot of times we like to relate to Joseph when in reality, many times we are more like the brothers and the father. Think about how many times you as a parent or a grandparent or as a family member have unintentionally thrown cold water on somebody's dream because it wasn't your dream. How you unintentionally threw uh, cold water on somebody in your family's dream because it wasn't uh, a dream that you wanted for them. And instead of being excited, instead of celebrating, all of a sudden they get angry. And it's reflected in how Joseph responds. You see, so many times we are unintentional dream killers and we don't even know it. You need to remember it only takes one negative comment to kill somebody's dream. See, Joseph was, was just sharing his heart. Joseph's brother and his dad were the real dream killers. Keep reading and we'll see how not only they figuratively, now they literally become dream killers. It says verse 12, 
Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Shechem in Israel. Jacob said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing a flock. I'm going to send you to him. He's going out to spy on him again for his dad. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring word back to me. So he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. And when Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? The man said, they have moved on from here. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him at a distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here's what they said, verse 19 20. Listen, here comes that dreamer. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that an animal devoured him. Then we will see what becomes of his dreams. Dream killers. Angry and jealous because of a dream that God gave to him. Everyone in this, in this room has faced dream killers. Some of us have allowed the dream killers to, to sidetrack us. Some of us have allowed the dream killers to hurt what God had planted into our hearts. You see, you need to recognize that opportunity from God is almost always accompanied by opposition. You see, when God gives you a dream, and, and listen, when God plants a dream in your heart, it's not just going to fall in your lap. Too many believers think that God's will is, is something mysterious that's just going to show up. You've got to walk out life. And as you live following and pursuing God's dream, as you start working, and sometimes it's very hard to pursue God's dream. It took Joseph 20 years, took him being in prison, took him being sold into slavery, took him overcoming, uh, try, almost being raped by a middle-aged woman, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks. You don't want to miss it. it all of those things are in his life. It was hard work, hard work, but he faced opposition. You need to recognize that when you begin to pursue dreams that are bigger than what you can accomplish in your own strength, you are going to face dream killers. They're going to come after you. They're going to come after your dream. But we need to recognize that the reason God allows these things to come into our life is because it always makes us stronger. You see, it is the strength in facing opposition that gives us the ability to trust God for the even bigger things. The reason some of us lack faith is because we have lacked faith in the little things, so we've never gotten to the big things. But as you face difficulties, and as you face closed doors, and as you face mountains that are bigger than you think you can ever climb, it is in the strength that it comes to face that that God gives you the ability to trust Him even more. And many times it is while we are fighting these oppositions that God is preparing our heart for what's to come on the other side of that mountain, for what's to come on the other side of that door. You see, we all face dream killers, and unfortunately, sometimes dream killers show up in the form of other people. Now, there's two types of dream killers that show up in the form of other people. First of all, there's intentional dream killers. These are people like Joseph's brother. These are people that are angry, jealous, and bitter. And their only desire is to see that you are not happier than they are. So they will do anything they can to throw cold water, to distract you, to kill your dreams. They struggle with the idea of you achieving something more than they have, and so they try to tear you down in the process. They intentionally don't want you happy, and so they try to destroy your dreams. Now, I know it's tough to think that there are people out there that are like that, but there are, and you've probably encountered some of them. But what's even more unfortunate is the second type of dream killers. These are the unintended dream killers. These are... Sometimes family members. These are sometimes people that are closest to us. They don't intentionally kill our dreams, but what they do, 
through their lack of encouragement and their lack of hope is they rob their joy from our dreams to the point that we stop pursuing them. They're the type of people you go and you share your dream. You share like Joseph, your heart. You share what God is leading you to. You share what you want to do or what you want to see happen. Maybe where you want to go to college, what you want to become or, or what you hope for your career or what you hope for your family to one day achieve. And in sharing it, they, under the guise of trying to be real or trying to help you, uh, intentionally throw cold water on your dream. They're trying to be encouraging, but the only way that they can be encouraging is by pulling you down. They may be well-intentioned, but sometimes they are the worst. You see, you and I need to commit, and, and this is just a side note, you and I need to commit that we can't be dream killers. We've got to be facilitators of dreams. We've got to be willing to come alongside our children and our teenagers and our co-workers and our friends and give them wise counsel, but also throw fire on that dream, throw fuel on that dream fire instead of throwing water. We need to encourage them. We need to bless them. We need to help them have a plan and push them into their dreams instead of pulling them away. Dream killers are real, and they're what we face on a regular basis. But sadly for us, the worst dream killers are not out there. They're in here. The worst dream killers in our lives are not external, they're internal. They're the things that we face on a regular basis. And uh, after being a pastor for 28, almost 29 years, 20 of which I spent working with teenagers and college students and counseling them, I, I've assembled a list of things that I saw more than anything else that were dream killers inside of each one of us. And so I'm just going to go through giving you a couple of dream killers that you may face today. A couple of things that may have become a roadblock in your dream that's inside of you, not external, internal, that you may be facing and how you can overcome them. So I'm just going to give you a couple, and they're not in any uh, particular order, but some of them may surprise you. The first dream killer that I saw in people's lives is doubt. Doubt about who we are, doubt about our ability. You see, some of us don't believe in ourselves. We don't think we have it in us to achieve what God is calling us to. We don't realize who we are in Christ. We live in a place of always figuring that we're not good enough. These are the type of people that say, I can do some things through Christ in me instead of I can do all things. Because you see, we just don't think we're good enough. We don't believe in ourselves. Doubt is a dream killer. The second one is fear. Fear destroys us because it helps us think that we are so afraid of failing that we never get into the game. We're so afraid of what might happen, and so we choose security, and we choose safety over taking a risk, over stepping out in faith. Fear is a dream killer because we build up scenarios of what our life might look like if we fail at chasing our dreams instead of dreaming what might happen if we succeed. Fear is the idea that I'm not going to get in the game because I'm afraid of striking out. There's a lot of Christians that I see that allow fear to control them. The Bible says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. Fear, doubt. The third one is unforgiveness. Now you may not think of unforgiveness as a dream killer, but I've seen more dreams killed by bitter hearts than anything else. Because you see, when we allow anger and past hurts and wrongs to fester in us, they can keep us chained from moving forward. They keep us chained in place. They never let us free to move forward with the dreams that God's placed in our heart. And let, let me just tell you this. Sometimes our unforgiveness is towards 
the unintentional dream killers that we've encountered in our life, people that hurt us, people that, uh, a coach that told us you'd never achieve, co a teacher that told you you weren't smart enough, a, a parent that told you that would never be reality in your life. And, and instead of forgiving them and moving on chasing our dreams, we like to sit and blame them and make excuses that it's their fault. And that unforgiveness eats us up from the inside out. Doubt, fear, unforgiveness. The fourth one is sin. See, it becomes a sin when we start thinking that we are the reason that we are achieving our dreams, that we can do it without God. When we start thinking it's about our ability, it's about our strength, instead of realizing that everything that we have is God's. Sin also destroys us in our lifestyle. See, we can't understand you will not achieve a God-given dream as long as you're living in a lifestyle of sin. Because you see, what sin does is it puts roadblocks in the way and you're the one who puts them there sin is a dream killer doesn't mean you have to be perfect because heaven knows joseph wasn't perfect and david wasn't perfect and moses wasn't perfect moses murdered somebody david murdered somebody committed adultery joseph struggled with pride and struggled with anger but yet God still used them. But see, what happens is when sin goes unrepented, it just piles up and it robs us of being able to pursue our dreams. The fifth one is lack of faith. And I'm going to angle it this way, lack of faith in, in that we grow skeptical and cynical and whether or not God is actually going to show up. See, too, too many Christians in the church believe this statement. God can do it, but He probably won't. You see, we like to come to church and sing songs and talk about all that God can do, but in our hearts and our minds, we always follow it by saying, but He probably won't in my situation. But He probably won't in my life. And that's a lack of faith. We struggle believing that God's going to open doors, and so instead of pursuing, we settle. We, we find a place and we sit here and say, this is far enough, instead of chasing after God. See, big dreams always require that God has to step in. Nothing worth having is easy. And anything that God's going to call you to do that is bigger than your ability and bigger than your strength is going to require for God to step in somewhere along the way. Let me ask you this. What dream have you pursued that required God to step in? When was the last time you stood at the edge of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army at your back knowing that if God didn't step in, this was over? See, most of us never get to that point because we settle that's why we're not seeing our big dreams come to fruition in our lives because we only go as far as our ability takes us. We've got to get to the place where we give all of our ability and all of our talent and all of our strength and finally we come to a place where we say, God, I can't go any further until you step in. Because you see, when that happens, guess who gets the glory? Not your strength, not your ability, God. Lack of faith. The sixth one is discouragement. I see too many people get discouraged because things don't happen when they want it to happen and how they want it to happen. We allow discouragement to rob us of our joy. Listen, God is always on time. It may not be your time, but He's always on time. As Joseph sat in that prison for 15 years, in and out, I'm sure he was thinking, God, when's this dream going to happen? But God was right on time because, you see, God delivered him in the perfect time to the perfect place so that he might step in to save a nation that was about to go through a drought. If he'd have been released from prison 10 years earlier, it would have never happened. He'd never been put in that position right on time. Don't be discouraged this morning because your dreams aren't happening quick enough. 
They're not happening the way you thought they would or the way you had planned it out because your plans are not God's plans. You have to have faith and walk out the path before you, but never let go of your dream. Stop letting discouragement. The, the seventh one is the approval of men. So many dreams get destroyed because we worry more about what everyone else thinks and more about people liking us than what God thinks and God liking us. See, too many people, especially in the church, are so focused on being accepted by the world around them instead of being called and fulfilled by God who's called them. Sometimes, listen, let me, let me see how I can say this. Sometimes your closest friends may not agree with your dream. Sometimes your parents, young people, they may not like the dream that God's playing in your heart, but God didn't give them that dream. He gave you the dream. Sometimes your coworkers may not agree when you say, I'm going to quit because I'm pursuing this, or I'm going to pour all of my money into this because I'm trusting that this is what... They're going to say, that's crazy. No one does that. I could give you a list of all the people that I, I gave, and you know, I could give you a hundred people off the top of my head who achieved dreams greater than they ever imagined in sports and in, in, in business and in, in personal lives. And every one of them could testify that there was a place in their life where they had to decide, am I going to do what everybody else says I should do, or am I going to do what my dream says I should do? Am I going to pursue what everybody else's approval gives me, or am I going to follow after where God is pointing me? You can't let the approval of men keep you from destroying your dream. And the last dream killer that comes from inside of us, and many of you probably never thought of this as a dream killer, is success. See, success, especially early success, can be a dream killer. Because what happens to us is on our path, all of a sudden we come to good or all of a sudden we start tasting a little bit of the good and instead of pursuing our dream, we settle there and our dream is just around the corner. All of a sudden we start seeing and, and we tell ourselves, listen, I never thought I'd get this far, right? Man, I never thought I, I set out with this dream. This is what I hope to do with my life and this is what I hope to do with these gifts and these talents and I never thought I'd get this far. So I'm just going to be happy here and God in the back of your heart is saying that's not the end of your dream. You see, success can be a dream killer. Success can rob us of our joy. Now those are just a couple of things and I'm sure you may struggle with some of these or all of them but you need to understand that what happens is once those begin to compound in your life they begin to pile up. Once you begin to have doubt all of a sudden you begin to get discouraged. All of a sudden your faith begins to get diminished. That's why it's so important for you to recognize the dream killer you're struggling with this morning and get it out of your life because when it begins to settle in it begins to bring friends with it. And those friends begin to pile up. And before you know it, your dream is not... See, some of you, when I said, do you have dreams, you can't even remember what your dream is. You can't even remember what your dreams have been. Because doubt and fear and lack of faith and approval, and they started ganging up. And before long, their voices drowned out the voice of God that planted your dream in the first place. You see, the reality of why God gives us dreams... And if you don't hear anything else, this is what I want you to get from this morning. And I'm almost done. Listen, when God gives us a dream, it's never about us. Okay, I want you to hear this. When God gives you a dream, it's never about you. It is always about who God wants us to bless when we achieve our dreams. Now, maybe, maybe that didn't go in. I want you to hear it again because I want you to get this. The dream that God has given you 
is not for you. Will you be blessed? Yes. Along the way, you'll be blessed beyond measure. But God has given you a dream so that you might bless others when you achieve that dream. See, Joseph's dream wasn't for him. Joseph's dream wasn't so that he could be something powerful. Joseph's dream was so that he could save a nation and save his family. Was he blessed along the way? Yes. Did he learn lessons along the way? Yes. But God planted that dream in his heart because God had a plan for a nation that required Joseph to follow his dream. And let me tell you something. The dream that God's put in your heart is so that you might bless other people and God might bless other people through you when you achieve your dream. Because when you follow hard after Him and He begins to open doors to your dream, there are going to be all kinds of people around you that you can bless because of it. Now, if that's true, if you believe that, what I just said, how many people and who in your life is not being blessed because you quit on your dream? If God uses your dream that he's given you to bless others through you, think of all the people that aren't being blessed because we gave up or we quit or we settled. What's your dream this morning? Some say, well, I don't have one. Well, if that's your answer, then you're not listening to the right people and not listening close enough because God has planted a dream in each of our hearts. And if you've allowed a dream killer to rob your joy, if you've allowed another person to step in and sidetrack you, let me close by just giving you some suggestions on how you can overcome that. The first thing you need to do is focus on prayer. Prayer is the greatest tool we have. Do you realize that every dream killer I mentioned can be defeated through prayer? You get discouraged, the first place you need to get is on your knees. You start worrying about the approval of men, first thing you need to do is go back and get the approval of God and recognize you are accepted in Christ. You have doubts. You have worry. Go to the Lord. Cast your cares on Him. Prayer is always a way to overcome our dream killers. The second thing you need to do is believe in yourself. You see, and I, and I know I, I spent... Uh, 10 weeks or 12 weeks when we studied Ephesians on this. Matter of fact, I had you stand up, if you remember, those of you who had to stand up and say who God said you were because we don't believe it. See, the Bible says you are a child of God. It says if God is for us, who can be against us? And really the interpretation of that is if God is for us, what does it matter who else is out there? Had you stand up and say, I'm a saint. Do you remember when I had you do that? How hard was that for you to say? Y'all did, I'm a saint. Because we don't believe it. We would rather say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, I, that's in my past. I am a saint who sometimes slips up and sins, but I am a child of the king. And I have everything, every promise that comes with that is mine. It's time we start believing in who God's called us to be and stop letting the world and its lies define and dictate us. You want to overcome your dream killers, remember and recognize who you are in Jesus Christ. Prayer, believe in yourself. The third thing, be ready to work. Because if God gives you a dream, it's going to require hard work. It's going to require you giving it everything that you have. Nothing ever comes easy that's worth anything. Be tenacious. Persevere during struggles. And then the last thing that will help you overcome your dream killers, surround yourself with other dreamers. Surround yourself with people. Now, that doesn't mean yes people. 
Too many times we get people around us that say yes to everything. Oh, you're the greatest and you can't do anything. No, that doesn't help you. Get people that are realists, but people are going to be real in the Spirit of God. They're going to speak truth into you, but they're going to be dreamers with you. They're going to help you come up with a plan. They're going to celebrate when you have small accomplishments. They're going to help you evaluate along the way. Surround yourself with encouragers and blessers. Surround yourself with people who believe in God and believe in you. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise will always grow wise, but he who is a companion of fools will always suffer harm. See, Joseph had a God-given dream, bigger than anything he imagined at 17. When you're 16 or 17, think about the dreams that you had. I was dreaming of just graduating high school, amen? I mean, kids today, they're like, I'm going to college and this kind of... I mean, I, I didn't even know college was out there because it wasn't even on my radar. I graduated high school and I was like, okay, where's grade 13? Point me that way, right? <laughs> Life? No, I... We don't imagine the dream, but God still, as a 15-year-old, planted a dream in my heart. When a Sunday school teacher looked me in the eye, when I could care less what she was saying, and I was rebellious, she looked me in the eye and said, The Bible says, Rusty, to whom much is given, much shall be required. And you have a gift of explaining God's Word. And one day God's going to use it. When I was 15, I walked out of that room and blah, 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 right? I didn't understand it. But when God began to work a call in my life, all of a sudden, that dream, I started hearing it again. I said, that's God's dream for me. That's where God is pointing me. Joseph never imagined at 17 when he told his brothers those dreams, what was going to happen? He was going to save a nation. He was just taking it one step at a time. He had every excuse to give up, but he allowed that dream to motivate him. Listen to me. Do you have a God-sized dream this morning? If you're pursuing it, go hard after it. If you're not, why not? See, you're never too old. You're never too young to dream. And when God gives you a dream, it never ends until either you achieve it or he gives you a bigger dream. Christopher Reeves, the late actor, said this about impossible dreams. He said, at first, big dreams always seem impossible but as you begin to pursue them they begin to seem improbable and before you know it they become inevitable that's what god-given dreams are all about let's pray